Good morning, everyone. It's a little, it's a little tropical today in here. <laughs> it's fine. We'll just close our eyes and pretend we're in the Caribbean. It's fine. Uh, well, we're so glad that you are with us here this morning at Homestead. We are continuing to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, a series that we have been in for the last few weeks, um, talking kind of about the fruit that we as believers should see in our lives. If we are walking with Christ, if our lives are truly surrendered to him, we have this barometer, we have this gauge to know um, whether the fruit of our flesh is winning, whether the fruit of the Spirit, and that is by what we see coming in our hearts and in our lives and in our attitudes. Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there patience? Or is there, remember the first week we talked about the two lists. There were lists of hostility, division, anger, immorality, idolatry. We can know how our relationship with Christ is doing, how much we are giving the spirit control of our lives by what the fruit is that we see in our lives. And so today we're going to continue um, by talking about patience. Um, but before I do that, I just wanted to take a few seconds and kind of just uh, talk a little bit about the week that we have had as people, and Jeff, Jeff touched on it a little bit, and I was studying all week, and I just, anybody else feel like you kind of walked around in a little bit of a fog all week? I just kind of felt like I was just having a hard time wrapping my head around all that was going on in our, in our state, in our country, uh, in the world, all of the things that were going on. I just kept, kept coming back to, Lord, what, what is going on? What is going on? It feels, you feel like, I feel like the wheels are coming off. Anybody else? You just kind of go, Lord, what in the world is going on? And um, I just spent some time praying and, and asking the Lord. And I just wanted to share just real quick a little bit this morning about uh, just a verse that I have been meditating on this week. Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. And I'm sure many of you were thinking the same verse. Uh, then if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. And I woke up the other day and that just kept running through my mind. Lord, just heal our land. The NIV says, heal our land, restore our land. Lord, bring peace, bring hope. And so I just kept saying that verse over and over again. And then when I finally sat down to actually pull it up in context where we find it in scripture, is actually really interesting what I discovered. So this was when Solomon, this verse comes when Solomon has dedicated the temple in the Old Testament, and he has built the temple of the Lord, and they've had all these massive celebrations and offerings, and it was this, this big hoopla. And it says that after that happened, the Lord appeared to Solomon right after that at night, and he said this to him. He said this verse to him, but I want to read to you the verse that came right before uh, this. In verse 13, it says, the Lord said to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer. And I have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. Verse 13 says, At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. And then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their lands. That is such an interesting concept because, you know, I love promises of God. I don't like it when he says, hey, at times I might send plagues to you. And you're like, oh, well, thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah, am I supposed to be joyful about that? But I thought it was very interesting that he says, at times I'm going to allow some things to happen to wake you up. At times, I'm going to allow things to come upon you that are going to shake you out of your normal everyday life and go, ho, 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 hold on. Something's going on. 
the wheels are coming off. Hold on. He says, at times, I'm going to allow things to happen. And we know that in the Old Testament, there was the wrath of God that came in fire and brimstone. And yet, we also see times where God says, you know what? If you continue down this path, I'm going to let you have your way for a little bit. If you continue to say you don't need me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull my hand back a little bit and let you see what happens when we don't have God in the center of our lives. I'm going to just pull it back just a little bit. And when that, there are moments, we see that all over scripture where God says to the children of Israel when they're grumbling and complaining, okay, you know what? Okay, you can have it your way for a little bit and see how you like that. When they, uh, in the Old Testament, when they refused to give up their idols, the Lord uh, allowed exile to happen to them. He said, okay, okay, you, you keep saying you don't need me. All right, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit and I'm going to let you see what happens when my hand is not in it. And I think uh, so timely for us to look at that scripture and say, in those moments, when we see calamity, when we see the wheels coming off, that we go, okay, hold on. This is a wake-up call for us. What, what does this mean? And it's really important to also look at who God is addressing here. He's not addressing the world. He's addressing the people in his temple. He's saying to them, hey, at times, I'm going to allow plagues. I'm going to allow famines. Grasshoppers are going to come. I would hate that. I do not like grasshoppers. I'm glad the Lord does not come in grasshoppers anymore. Um, but he says, at times, these things are going to happen. And at that moment, then we look at verse 14. He says, then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, not out there, but our wicked ways, then I'm going to come, I will hear for heaven, and I'm going to heal their land. So this is really important that we look at this. This scripture tells me that they get healed when we get our act together. When we get our act together, humble ourselves and pray, turn from our wicked ways, fall on our knees in repentance, fall on our knees and say, God, we as your church need to humble ourselves before you that then he hears from heaven and he comes and heals our land. They get healed when we get our act together. Uh, I read a really important message, I think, by Dr. Tony Evans, who is a, a preacher in Texas, an African-American leader. And he said this this week. He said, gone must be the days of only pointing fingers at others to fix what they may never fix. Our nation's ills are not merely the result of corruption or racism, although these are evil. Our troubles can also be traced directly to ineffective Christians. One of the real tragedies today is that the church as a whole has failed to advance the kingdom, God's kingdom light, equity, love, and principles in our land in order to be a positive influence and impact for good in the midst of darkness, fear, and hate. We must do better and we must unite. I think it's really wise for us to just look at ourselves and say, okay, Lord, as your people, we humble ourselves, we pray, we turn from our wicked ways, and we ask that you would come and you would heal our land. Because the truth is, we have failed to produce good fruit. And when we fail to produce good fruit, we don't see the change in the world. We don't, uh, we don't see God moving in those ways. And so we have to look at ourselves. And so today I just wanted to take a moment and just pray. I just wanted to pray. This, this week, I, I really actually felt, Lord, I just want to take a moment. As your word says, we're seeing calamity. We're seeing plagues. We're seeing uh, the wheels come off. So, Lord, as your people, we take a second and we humble ourselves and pray. And so I know Jeff already prayed, but I just wanted to take a moment and just pray before we, we dive into this fruit of patience. So let's just pray. Lord, as your people, we come to you today humble.
Lord, we come repentant. Father, we recognize that you have called us to bear good fruit in this land. And Lord, when we see a lack of it around us, we have to look at us and we have to look at how we are doing in bearing good fruit. And Father, we just come to you as your people. We humble ourselves. We pray. We repent of the ways that we have not fully surrendered our lives to you. We repent of the ways that we have engaged in evil. We have not been loving. We have allowed disunity. We've allowed deception. We've allowed um, idolatry in our own hearts and in in our lives. And so, Lord, we know at times you let things happen to wake us up. And Father, we do that today. Eyes wide open, wide awake. We humble ourselves before you and we pray. We pray, Lord, for our land. We pray for people today that are hurting. We pray, Lord, for this, uh, this environment that seems like a powder keg right now. We pray that you would come and bring healing as your people, as your people who are called by your name. We ask that you would come and bring restoration and healing. Keep our eyes open, Lord. Don't let us go back to sleep. Keep us awake so that we can see where we need to be pouring out the fruit of love, where we need to be pouring out the fruit of, of joy, where we need to be sowing seeds of peace. And we ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So uh, patience. <laughs> I love that I get to speak on patience. Mr. Kerr is a naturally patient person. Anybody married to a naturally patient person? They're so annoying. <laughs> so um, I am not a naturally patient person, so it's, it's, it's fun that I get to talk about this today. And actually, when I was first trying to prepare all week and everything was going on and I couldn't turn the news off and I was thinking, Lord, it feels like a silly thing to talk about, about, hey, make sure that when you're in the line at the grocery store and the person in front of you has too many items that you don't, you know, lose your cool. It seems a little trite and irrelevant. But as I started to dive into this word patience in the context of when Paul was talking about it here, it's actually really something that if we could get this right as people and as the body of Christ, I think the impact that having a spirit of patience in our hearts and lives would be quite amazing. Um, if you look at various translations in the Bible, you're going to see a lot of different words where patience is. So I like the New Living. Mine says patience, but um, the NIV says forbearance which is a word that we don't use very often. If you look at this same verse in the King James Version, it says long-suffering. Um, the Weymouth tra translation says patience towards other. The Jubilee Bible says tolerance. The Classic Amplified Bible says an even temper. Interesting. So when we look at this word patience in the Greek, it's actually a combination of two separate Greek words, one that means long and one that means anger or passion. So properly, if you put them together, it means long anger. Now, that doesn't mean you stay really mad for a really long time. Nope, not that, sorry. It means waiting sufficient time before expressing anger, avoiding the premature use of force or retribution that rises out of improper anger or a personal reaction. So it is having long suffering. It's able to endure a long time before you explode. Perfect that I'm teaching this today. And actually, when I started studying the context of when Paul wrote this to the, the people in the region of Galatia, the climate that they were in when Galatians was written was really interesting because the gospel was spreading and therefore opposition was coming to the church. They had people, they were being persecuted, they were being tortured, they were being arrested, they were being killed for their faith. And so there was conflict coming from outside the church. And then 
This is the first in the book of Galatians. We see the dissent rising within the church because Paul began ministering to Gentiles. So for the first time, Gentiles were being allowed into the church. And the Jewish people were like, mm, I don't know about this. So there's conflict without the church. Then within the church, there's this powder keg of two different ideologies. Do we let the Gentiles in or do we keep them out? So there was all this conflict happening there. Um, they were, um, there was conflict, mistreatment, tense, heightened environment among these people. Things were tense. Things were volatile. It was this powder keg. And so Paul says, in this context, please show the fruit of patience. Please show the fruit of patience. He tells them that have, to have patient endurance towards those who were inflicting injury upon them. Not imagined injury, actual injury. The people coming after them to take them away to prison. He was saying, show patience in those moments. He was show, saying, show forbearance, which means an even temper, in the face of wrong and ill treatment. When you are Ill treated wrongly, have, a, have forbearance, have an even temper back to those who treat you wrongly. Pa be patient sustained, uh, in sustaining injuries and provocation. Have long-suffering in the midst of affliction, in the midst of a trial, when others are coming after you, when you are enduring things over and over again, have long suffering. Be able to endure that with grace. So in this context where patience was far deeper than having to be patient if your Starbucks takes more than five minutes, Paul was saying this to them. Hey, I know it's a powder keg out there. Take a deep breath before you do anything. Take a deep breath before you say anything. In this powder keg environment, be cautious in your response. Take a deep breath. Don't react. Have calm, forbearance, and long-suffering. I think that that is very, very interesting. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. The word forbearance uh, isn't something we use regularly, although this week my husband has been saying, how about a little forbearance, Kerr, to me since I was telling him what I was speaking on. Um, but I want to look at that word for a minute. Forbearance is controlling oneself when provoked or offended. Forbearance is restraint in a heated situation. It's choosing peace over choosing to be right. It is not being quick-tempered. So forbearance is a very interesting fruit of the Spirit. It's not being quick-tempered. Now, I looked up the word quick-tempered in the dictionary, and I have a nice list for you today, just for your own personal perusal. And I'm going to read you some of these things. I'm sure none of you will see any of your own self in these, but I'm, I may have had one or two. Quick-tempered means easily made angry, hot-tempered, snappish, uh, fiery, touchy, uh, volatile, cross, crabby, crotchety. We've got words for the young and words for the old here. Crotchety, um, cantankerous, grumpy, testy, prickly, grouchy, cranky, or on a short fuse. No elbowing your spouse, not allowed in church this morning. Um, and I found this great quote by Boyd Bailey, and it said this, by faith, we are able to model God's great patience towards us, towards those who anger us and who deeply disappoint us. The Holy Spirit fills us up with the fruit of forbearance so he can lengthen the fuse of our temper. 
the longer it takes for our temper to smolder under self-control, the more time we have to cool down. The Spirit's forbearance releases our vengeance to the Lord. I love the way he puts that. I wonder how many of the troubles we find ourselves in could be avoided if we simply chose to lengthen the fuse of our tempers, to lengthen the fuse of our reactions, to lengthen the fuse of how we respond to other people. So often we react in a situation. We just react. We hear something, we respond right away. We hear something that upsets us, and we just begin to, to say our opinion about it. And, and then we spend days and weeks and months trying to wade ourselves out of the damage done in that instant. We spend so much time trying to walk ourselves out of the, the pain and uh, damage that we inflicted because in a moment we reacted. And I want to just say this real quick. This includes posts on social media. This includes emails. This includes a quick text back. Um, it includes those moments that we read something and we think, well, here's what I think about that. Boom. Right? Oh, my goodness. And then we send it off into the universe and we have no idea that our friend across town is like, I cannot believe she would ever say something like that. And we have caused this firestorm over there. And we're just, we've gone along and we're just enjoying our ice cream on the back patio. And yet we have just inflicted more and more spurts of frustration and anger. And we have caused more conflict. We throw quick shots at a complicated situation and think that somehow that's going to make it better. We need to lengthen our fuse of response. And this goes for in our homes, these quick little jabs that we make at our spouses out of frustration, you know? He leaves the jar of peanut butter on the counter, and you think, how many times have I said, put the jar of peanut butter back in the pantry after you do it? And so instead of, you know, saying something, it's just like, huh, huh, there, there's a jar of peanut butter on the counter. Don't know how that got there. We throw these little shots across the bow, and then we're going, huh, wow, it seems a little tense with my husband today. It's because we're just both shooting, pew, 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 across the bow, instead of actually going, you know what, hey, can we talk about this? Instead of actually dealing with problems, we're all really good at just throwing out a little. My, my favorite is Facebook posts when someone's mad, but they don't want to talk to somebody, and so they're like, you know, it just bothers me sometimes when some people, and they just throw it out there, and, you're, and I always go, is this, is this for me? Like, I don't know. I, it feels like maybe I could, I could find myself being in the line of that fire. Anybody else do that when you see things like that? You're like, huh. Is that, is that in my direction or not? Oh, my goodness. How much more would our conflict die down if we just chose to actually pick up the phone and call someone if we were having a problem with them, like the Word of God tells us to do, to go to the person that we are upset with? Oh, forbearance is having a longer fuse. Instead of quickly reacting, instead of quickly responding, instead of taking our frustrations and throwing something out there quickly, what if we chose forbearance to lengthen our fuse and to think about how we are going to respond? And what about the word long-suffering that we see there in Scripture? Um, the, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the, the love chapter, says that love is patient and kind. But I am a good old church girl, and I grew up, and in, I was in missionettes, and we had to memorize 1 Corinthians 13 way back in the 80s, and I had to memorize the King James Version. And it said this, charity suffereth long. 
I just remember memorizing that. Charity suffereth long. Suffering long. What does that mean? Uh, Meyer's commentary says, in the face of provocations, she controlled her anger, repressed it, gave it up, and maintained her own proper character, a general frame of mind of being gracious. Long-suffering is being gracious in the face of opposition. It's being gracious in the face of mistreatment. A gracious person has a long fuse, right? My definition of that is if someone is long-suffering, you can pick and you can poke and you can keep coming, and they still are able to maintain their composure. They will not explode they endure conflict well, and instead of quickly and impulsively reacting, we prayerfully and thoughtfully seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit and obediently follow the, the, the instructions of the Holy Spirit. Because this is not to say that a long-suffering person never stands up for themselves or never has a hard conversation, but how many of you know it's the way we do these things that makes a difference? It's how we do them. It's the spirit in which we come, and I don't know about you, when my response is quick, it's very rarely inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's usually very much all about my flesh and what I'm feeling emotionally in the moment. And so taking time to have a longer fuse is so wise. So in closing today, what should forbearance, patience, and long-suffering look at in our lives? And I want to leave you with one verse that I hope this week you can make your mantra, and it's this. James 1.19. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. It's very very simple to remember, very hard to execute. But I'm going to say it again. Be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and be slow to get angry. The fruit of patience can be summed up in this verse, being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So what might that look like? First, let's talk about what does it mean to be quick to listen. Open your ears and hear what people are saying to you. Don't get defensive. I think sometimes we hear something and something inside of us says, oh, I disagree with that. And so we immediately think, I have to keep talking and so that I can change their mind about this. And uh, in, in my house, my family likes to laugh at me because I, I, they, they say that I go around the bend. Like, I, I state my point, and then if everyone doesn't agree with me at the end of that, I'm going to come around again. I'm going to say it again. I'm sure after, if I say it to you all another way, you're all going to agree with me after that. And uh, Lucy especially loves to go, there you, Mom, you're going around again. You're going around the bend again. I still, I still don't agree with you on that. Um, but sometimes we get so defensive when someone disagrees with us, someone, when someone says to us, something to us, we get so defensive. And you know what I'm learning, what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me? That defensiveness is the vice of the insecure. Defensiveness all comes out of, but what if I'm wrong? I have to prove I'm right. If you know you're right, it's okay to have other people disagree with you. And that's okay. And you can leave in the hands of the Lord to reveal something to them. They might not be ready to agree with your opinion yet. And that's okay. The Holy Spirit's super good at taking care of all of that. But when we get defensive and start reacting, that has more to do with my insecurity about my, my opinions than anything else. Be quick to listen. Hear what other people are saying. And try to understand the layers behind all that they are saying. You might be looking at someone and go, well, that, that's a silly opinion. Why would you think that? And yet, if you start to talk to them and actually start to listen, you would start to unravel 
well, this happened to me. This was my experience. Someone I knew had this. Someone I know struggles with this. And when you begin to hear the stories behind people's opinion, all of a sudden you have a little bit more understanding. So be quick to listen. Don't be so worried about getting your point across that you don't hear the heart behind another person's words. I love this quote by Rick Warren. He says, people around the world are dying for respect. When you treat people with dignity, the anger dissipates quickly. Whether it's with nations or businesses or churches or ethnic groups or your own family, you treat others with respect. What is the greatest way to show people respect? Listen to them and look them in the eye. I want to learn to be a better listener, to hear the things that people are saying, to be able to listen to someone's story without getting defensive, to be able to hear someone's side and perspective without jumping, to have to jump right in. So be quick to listen. The second thing James tells us is to be slow to speak. Ugh. Don't speak impulsively. Don't speak too much, right? The word of God says, where there are many words, sin is not far behind. And I know I choose to have many words most days. But don't speak so much. Be slow to speak. Wait and think about things. Uh, don't interrupt. This is a huge one for me. And I, I always tell Jeff, I go, I'm so sorry. I just get so excited. And I just want to say the thing that I'm thinking. And yet I find myself interrupting. And Robert Fisher says this interruption is self-serving and egotistical. It blatantly states, what I have to say is more important than what you have to say. So be slow to speak. Take a breath before you respond. I just have this personal philosophy that if there's any kind of heightened interaction, I don't respond to a text, a message, an email, anything like that until I've had a little bit of time. I usually have a first draft, but I stopped doing that because I think sometimes you can inadvertently send them and that would be bad. <laughs> but don't, you're all laughing, you've all done it too. <laughs> but I always take a breath. You know what, I'm gonna just wait until tomorrow because what I'm feeling right now has a whole lot of emotions. I don't know if it's gonna be productive. Take time, don't be so quick to speak. Don't be so quick to speak audibly or quick to speak responsively when you see things. Uh, wait an hour or two or 24, and then decide if this is still the appropriate way to respond. Don't say everything that pops into your head. Use your filter. Um, Nancy Reagan said this, and I heard the quote right after Jeff and I got married. Is she, she said, I always left three things unsaid every day. And I, you know, I've always tried to do that. And usually I get to the end of the day, and I'm like, wow, I didn't do so good on that. But if there's something that pops into your head and you're thinking, I'm going to say that, Pick three to not say. It's a really good discipline for your own self. Uh, a quote says, a smart person knows what to say. A wise person knows whether or not to say it. So be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And the last is this. Be slow to get angry. Ask the Holy Spirit to lengthen your fuse. Right? Now, this is where it comes in for me. I might have an, a really, really, really long fuse with one of my children and an incredibly short fuse with another one. Can anyone relate to that? Uh, you might have an incredibly long fuse when it comes to work, and they are all like, oh, my goodness, wow, he just can just, just rolls with it. And then you, you call your mother, and you're like, ah, 
wow, why is my fuse so short with this person? And so I've really been praying about, a lot about that this week of, Lord, you know, my fuse is shorter or longer with certain people in, or certain environments when it, or at certain topics. You might be able to talk about politics with a really long fuse, or you may not be able to talk about politics with a really long fuse. What is the shortest fuse? And maybe you could start thinking of those this week and start rating them. Who's got your shortest fuse? Is it your spouse? Is it one of your kids? Is it a relative? Is it just people you disagree with? Is it uh, whatever that might be? Ask God and say, okay, Lord, in this particular thing, I need to be slower to get angry. Why is my fuse so short there? Give me some insights into that person. Why is my fuse short? Is there something that we need to have a conversation to heal? Is it just something in me that we're just alike and, and we just clash? And so I just need to learn when I'm going into a situation with this person, I need to just pray that the Holy Spirit lengthens my fuse. I actually this week kept saying, lengthen your fuse, Christy. <laughs> lengthen your fuse. When I would feel, see something and want to respond. Let's just lengthen that fuse a little bit, Christy. Um, sometimes you can just be snappy. Sometimes we go through seasons where we're just snappy. I remember a few years ago, I was just really tired. I was very burnt out. My kids were little. I was pretty exhausted. I was tired. I was struggling with some depression. And I remember um, my daughter had some of her friends from the neighborhood, and they were, it felt like there were always a million kids in my house, and they were running in, and, they were, and I was just like, Ugh. And so they were running around and getting something, and I kind of snapped at her. I'm like, you all need to go outside. Everybody go outside. I don't want to see you in here again. Stop eating all my food. Get out of my house. And as they were leaving, I heard one little girl turn to my daughter and say, oh, your mom is so mean. And I heard them at the door. And at first I'm like, oh. How dare she? She's a little, little, little kid eating all my food and saying I'm mean. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, you know what? Look at your behavior lately. And I had to stop and say, oh, my word, this little six-year-old girl was right. I have been snapping at everybody. My fuse is short. And sometimes we can go through a season where we got a lot going on. And any little thing feels like the end of the world, right? Your kids are like, I'm hungry. Oh, great. <laughs> Everybody's hungry all the time. Fine. And they're looking at you like, I just wanted a fruit roll-up, Mom. I don't know why you're so upset. We have to be wise and be self-aware. And if your fuse has been perpetually short for a long time, maybe it's time to just look at a deeper thing going on inside of you. Maybe you need to spend a little time away. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to help you with the fruit of forbearance. Okay? So we have to be self-aware. Be slow to get angry. So today as we close, I have an assignment for you this week. I want you to think about how long your fuse is. How long is your fuse? And then ask the Lord, how can I demonstrate patience in my life this week? How can I demonstrate forbearance, the lengthening of my fuse this week? How can I demonstrate long-suffering this week? If there's somebody that is perpetually poking at me, how can I show grace in the midst of those interactions? We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And remember, I want to come back to what we talked about first week, the first week. 
Galatians 5 says the Holy Spirit produces this fruit in us. So this isn't a matter of just trying harder. This is a matter of more of Jesus. Okay, Lord, I am recognizing I have less of this, less of this fruit in me, so I need more of you. And so instead of going in thinking, all right, I'm going to try really hard right now, say, Holy Spirit, I give you full reign. Produce this fruit in me so that I can show this fruit to those around me. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak and be slow to get angry. I just want to close with Ephesians 4 and then we're going to pray. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says this. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we need you so much. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to take more and more control of us. Lord, so often we have to admit we see the fruit of flesh so often. Anger, quick outbursts, uh, Lord, short fuses. Those are all signs, Lord, that we have not given over everything to you. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, come and produce the good fruit of patience and forbearance and long-suffering in our hearts today. Lord, we need you to help us lengthen the fuse of our temper. Lord, in specific situations and in general. Lord, if there's someone here today that just feels like their fuse is just so, so, so short, and it seems to have been going on for a while, Lord, I pray that you would come and you would pour over refreshing. Sometimes, Lord, we've just been going so hard and dealing with so many things for so long that we just don't have any margin left. And so I pray that the fruit of your Holy Spirit would uh, pour into every life that feels like they are running on empty, that you would pour into them, Lord, to overflowing, that they would be a well-watered garden, like a spring that continually is fed by you and your Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, every time they have to engage, that they would feel the Holy Spirit filling them up with patience. Lord, we ask for your wisdom to know how to be quick to listen to other people. Lord, remind us in situations when we are becoming defensive to put our guard down and to listen. May we be slow to speak. May we not respond impulsively, but may we wait to hear the whisper of your Holy Spirit to know the exact right words at the right time in the right way. And lastly, Lord, may we be slow to get angry. May this fruit above all else show your world that we belong to you, that our, our restraint in our anger would show others that there is something different about us because of the way we love you and the way we love others. Go with us now this week. I pray a blessing on everyone here, Lord. Strengthen them and their families. Be close to them this week. May they grow closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.